0: Bibles. We're going to be, as I mentioned in the prayer, back into Proverbs. We spent about three weeks getting into this book before I left, and uh, took care of chapter one. We're going to pick up the pace a little bit now, though. We're going to take chapter two in one big chunk. And so that's—I uh, know sometimes we get into a chapter, and you might start thinking, "Man, Cody, are you ever going to get out of this chapter?" Uh, and then we have mornings like today where we're going to get—we're going to take a whole chapter all at once, but. I'm really hoping that this season of time that we have together in the book of Proverbs, that we could collectively just be on this pursuit of wisdom together. I want us to place a higher value on the wisdom of God. We want to know his wisdom, as it says there in the first chapter. I want to strengthen our desire for it. I don't want us to just be a group of people who are just wise in our own eyes. That's a, that's a phrase that you'll see in Proverbs. It's also a phrase you see other places in Scripture. People who are perhaps know-it-alls are described as people who are wise in their own eyes. People who think that they know better than God himself, that they can dis- discern and measure God rather than sit under his teaching and his wisdom. We want to be those who value God's wisdom and, and, and appreciate it in such a way that we 're ready to to submit and, and believe and, and live as those who fear the Lord, and we talked about what that means to fear the Lord right to fear the Lord means to place a high value on his holiness and pursue his ways and be those who encourage one another to pursue the ways of the Lord as well. so in chapter one, we talked about the origin of wisdom, we talked about the purpose of wisdom we We talked about what it is and that was, it kind of, we remember it's in the context of Solomon teaching his son and and that first chapter had like the first lecture to his son. (laughs) Maybe that doesn't bring a fond memory to your head when you think about being lectured by your dad. But those lectures can be really valuable, right? Solomon's sitting his son down and in in his first lecture he, he talks about How the world is going to try to lure him into sin. Remember, there's two voices in chapter one. There's this voice of one who is of the world who wants to entice you to sin. Hey, come down this path. You can have everything you want right now, and we can do it a different way. Solomon's, of course, making this plea, uh, this worldly wisdom plea to his son to to let him know what the wrong path looks like. But then there's a voice that competes with that voice, a voice that comes bursting onto the scene. This, this woman voice, he personifies his wisdom that he's trying to give his son, remember? And this lady wisdom is making an appeal. No, don't listen to the wisdom of the world. Don't go down that path. It will lead to ruin. Take the wisdom that I have to offer you, that I freely give you, just receive it. And remember, Lady Wisdom gives that really harsh warning. She says to us, hey, if you absolutely insist on recklessly going in the opposite direction of the wisdom that I have for you, if you absolutely insist on wrecking your life, then I will laugh at your calamity. Because what I have to give you is freely here for you on a silver platter. You just need to receive it. She says there, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So this wisdom that Solomon is is trying to transfer to his son, this wisdom that God is trying to give us, it's to protect us. And so in chapter two, it's time for lecture two. And what we're going to see here in chapter 2 is Solomon is going, I want to break it up into kind of two chunks. Verses 1 through 11, we see how how it is that we are to develop this godly wisdom in our lives. And then in in verses 12 through 22 then, we see what this this godly wisdom will make you capable of. So how to obtain it, how to develop it, how to obtain it and what this godly wisdom will make you capable of. And so I want to read those first 11 verses, but here's what I want you to do. When you have your Bibles in front of you and you're looking at chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, look for the ifs and the thens. Ifs and thens. I want you to specifically look for the ifs and thens. Like if this happens, then this will happen. If you do that, then this will go like this. All right, look for the ifs and thens. If if you're like me and you like to highlight or circle or whatever, this is when you want to highlight those ifs and and thens. All right, so I want to read the first 11 verses to you. We'll get started. This is the value of wisdom. He says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your hearts to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. I know we're stopping at a comma, and that bothers some of you, but that's just the way it has to be right now. (laughs) Did you notice those three ifs? Did you notice those thens? The ifs are putting some responsibility on us. Those ifs are in place to make you jump into action to do something. We have some responsibility when it comes to obtaining the wisdom of God. And so what this tells us is that godly wisdom is not going to be our default setting just because we're children of God, right? Godly wisdom is not our default setting. You're not going to stumble along and accidentally obtain the wisdom of God. Shouldn't be a surprise, right? We're not going to just drift along in life and become really wise with godly wisdom rather this is only for the intentional the people who seek after it that first if there if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you do you receive god's word it may be presented to you all the time. You may put it before you all the time. You may flip on the TV. You may listen to the podcast. You may listen to the sermons. You may come to church. But do you actually receive the God, the, the word of God that's constantly placed before you? Do you really receive it? I mean, think about this worship experience this morning. Did you come with a heart ready to receive the words of God? I mean, what you get out of this worship experience has So much to do with your approach to this worship experience, right? You can come here and waste all kinds of time. You can come here and accomplish so many other things, right? And people do all the time on a Sunday morning. If you come here seeking just community in your life, well, you'll find community. We have some great community here at The Journey. But if that's all you're looking for, that's probably all you'll get. If you're coming here just to have a splash of religion in your life, the journey can provide that for you. That's all this will be if that's what you're looking for. If you're, are you coming here just to appease your spouse? It's what they want to do, so I'm coming here just to appease them. Well, if that's the only thing you're coming here to do, that's all you will do here. If you're coming here just because it's what your parents expect of you, well, then that's all you will accomplish by being here. You will meet that expectation. But if you're coming For any of those reasons, you are missing out on the greatest treasure we have to offer you. You are missing out on the Word of God. Like, we make uh, serving up the Word of God a huge part of our DNA here at The Journey because we want you to receive God's Word. But I can't make you receive it. We, we We want you to come here and encourage you to come here, not just to check those other things off the list, but to receive the Word of God. Have you come here with an attentive ear, not to listen to a clever sermon? I can be clever sometimes. But if you're just looking for a clever sermon, or that's that's typically all you'll find, right? Have you come here with an attentive ear to listen past what I'm saying and into what God is saying through his word? Have you come here with a heart inclined to receive the words of God? It makes all the difference. It will make what you've accomplished here so different if you come with that mindset, right? I mean, coming to church without an attentive ear for the Word of God, coming to church without a heart inclined to, to learn more about the Word of God, it would be like us all going to the restaurant today for lunch and ignoring the menu, ignoring the food that's there. It would be like us going down the street to the, to the aquatic center this afternoon and ignoring the fact that they have a pool. It defeats the purpose, Right? It defeats the purpose. We need to have this mindset to receive the Word of God. Now, have you ever prepared a meal? Oops, oh, sorry. Did I do that? <laughs> if you're like me, I share a lot of the cooking responsibilities in my home. I love to cook for my family and do that as often as I can. And... Have you ever cooked a meal though? Like you spend an hour getting everything ready and and you know, everybody else is busy doing other things. You're getting all of the food ready and you get the table set and it's time to eat. The food's hot and you start to round up the family and no one's ready to eat but you. Like you ever been there? I I know I'm not the only one that's been there. And you know how like frustrating that can be when you're the chef. Like you're just, oh, hey, dinner's ready. Let's go. Okay, just a minute. All right, I'm just doing this one last thing. All right, and then, and then pretty soon you spend like 20 or 30 minutes just rounding everybody up to eat, and you're ready to start slamming the table. All right, I made this food for you, right? It's really defeating when you're the chef. But like not having an attentive ear for the word of God specifically when you come to church, it's like coming here and leaving the food untouched. It's like, it's like sitting at the table and just looking at the food and walking away and not gaining any nutrients from it whatsoever because you didn't consume it. You didn't receive it. You didn't take it in because you're too preoccupied trying to check one of those other things off the list. I think this this chapter is challenging you. It's getting in your face. Are you preparing yourself for a time of worship and learning today? Like, man, and you might be thinking, like, "Hey, I hear you, but man, let's just be real. It's a struggle. You don't know what's been going on in my life lately. I got I got a lot of things happening. Well." Maybe you know you should want to. You know it's the right thing to do, but you know it's just, it's just a struggle to really be in the zone like every Sunday morning. Well, join the club. Join the club. Man, come on, join the club. Like it's, it's hard, right? But this wisdom is only for the intentional. Did you see that second if there? It's a solution to the problem if you're not in the zone today. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding... Have you done that? Do you make that a part of your routine in preparing for this worship experience? Do you call out for insight? Do you raise your voice to prayer? Why not? Did you pray specifically for your time in God's word today as an individual? Did you do that before you came to church today? You know, James chapter 1 verse 5. This is what came to mind when I was thinking about this text in Proverbs 2. James 1 verse 5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. I love that, right? James is just like, do you want wisdom? Why are you not asking God for it? He gives it generously. He has it served up on a silver platter wanting to give it to you, right? He's served it up generously. He's ready to give you a giant portion of wisdom. Did you ask him for it? Are you receiving it? But listen to verses 6 and 7. Verse 5 is what a lot of people have memorized. But what about 6 and 7 there in James? He says, he goes on to say, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Why would you expect to receive anything from the Lord if you're not preparing your hearts and you're not conditioning your brain? This is Sunday morning. This is a time for, for worship. This is an opportunity to learn about God. Making the most of that. Lord, please as I'm at church today, would you please bless me with, with wisdom? Would you please bless me with understanding? Would you bless me with a, a deeper devotion to your word? Imagine. Right? Imagine what that would, would be like, right? If every single one of us woke up on a Sunday morning, and despite what's going on in our lives, despite how distracted we are, we're able to be disciplined enough to at least ask God, Lord, I know I'm a mess right now, but I'm going to go to church to honor you, and I'm asking you that despite how much of a mess I am right now, that you would bless me with a deeper understanding of your word. Despite me and everything that's going on in my head right now, would you please give me, grant me your wisdom that I can make the most of the time at church? Imagine if we all woke up like that, right? That we're all individually on this pursuit and then collectively we start praying for the same thing. After individually praying for it, we collectively pray for it and then we jump into God's word. What would be different about our church? What would be different about your life? You know, you may think, well, hey, you know what, buddy? I did. I did pray about my church experience today before I got here, but I don't think they did. <laughs> well, Then intercede for them. Then intercede for them. Pray for them. If you pray for yourself, pray for others in our church as well, please. We need it too. But at the end of the day, the person who fails to ask God for this wisdom has failed to understand its worth. You just don't know what you have. Sometimes we don't know the value of something that's right under our noses, right? That third if- if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Sometimes that value is just right under our nose. It's just like a hidden treasure right under our nose. We're just not looking for it because we're not valuing it correctly. So I had lunch this week with my buddy Jason who's sitting up in the nosebleeds up there. And as we're eating lunch, he doesn't know he's a sermon illustration today. I'm just pouncing on, on it right now. It, we, as we had lunch and, and conversation, he mentions to me, did you know trading cards, old sport cards, are at trading at an all-time high right now? I'm like, I, I had no idea. Hey, wait a second. I got binders of old baseball cards that I've just kept for sentimental value, right? Sentimental purposes. I just, I played with them when I was a kid, so I, it's in an old box sitting in my basement collecting dust. I wonder if I got anything, is there any silver in there? So I go looking through that, and I take a picture of one of the cards that I found. I actually, uh, so I, you know, late 80s, early 90s, I, I opened the book, almost the first page I got to, I'm like, oh, you know what, that's a a Derek Jeter draft pick card. That's like before his rookie card. Well, he's a Hall of Famer now, I wonder if this is worth anything. I snap a picture of it, I, I send it to Jason, is this worth anything, like someone give me five bucks for it or something? He's like, uh, that just sold for a 1,000 bucks, or 800 bucks, or something like that. You better believe at that point, I'm like, what else is in here, <laughs> right? Whoa, I'm searching through boxes, I'm deep diving, like what else I got in here? Where's my Barry Bonds cars? Or where's McGuire? Where, where's everybody at? I'm looking through everything. That value sitting right under my nose. I didn't know, I, I, two weeks ago, I, w- I would have thrown it in the trash and, and not even thought about it again. Forgot I even had them practically. Sometimes it sits right underneath our nose. If we understood the value that we have here in the Word of God, how much more frantically would we be looking through it, right? If we understand the value that we have here, the wisdom of God. It's like this hidden treasure. Sometimes we keep those Bibles in our bedroom. We keep those Bibles in our living room. They have sentimental value. We kept them around because that's the way we were brought up. You keep that around. You're just supposed to. But if we understand the value that's in it, we should be deep diving, mining the depths of the wisdom that we have freely and generously available to us here. This is how we're supposed to value the, the, the wisdom of God. And what he tells us here in chapter 2 is that when we increase this value, we place a higher value on his wisdom, we learn that this is a means by which God protects us. This is a means by which he guards us. It's one of the ways that he watches over us. He gives us his wisdom. We just need to receive this wisdom. And so the way that he watches over us is that he makes us more discerning. He gives us the ability. He makes us more capable to judge and discern as we live into this world. And and, and so we're given two examples then. Here's just two examples in verses 12 through 22 of how this understanding will guard you. Let's pick up in verse 12 then. It says, Delivering you from the the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, Who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off of the land. And and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. So these two examples. Example one, men of perverted speech. Example two, the forbidden woman with her smooth words. The emphasis is on what they say. The emphasis is on what they say. The perverted speech and the smooth words. God wants to make you wise so that you can discern the speech of evil. And so perverted speech, so when we think of perverted speech, right, in our culture, in our language, in our time, we're thinking like a dirty joke. We're thinking of inappropriate words, but, but the root of the Hebrew word that has been translated into perverted speech, the root of that word is much more devious than a dirty joke. This means turning something upside down. Perverted speech Speech. it means this. It means talking about something that's actually good, but it's talking about that in a way that makes it sound like it's bad. It's talking about something that's actually bad and making it sound really good. That's what perverted speech is. It's rejoicing in evil. Talking about evil as if it's something to be celebrated. Virtuous. It's delighting in evil. Those are the words used here in chapter 2, it's very devious, right? So if you want to lure someone into a direction that they would not normally go, you have to be able to do this, right? You have to be able to turn something upside down. So this is the name of the game for politics, right? <laughs> I mean, po- you can't even be a politician if you're not capable of this. Right? If you're a politician, and I'm not, and I'm not, like, getting ready to get real political here, this is just common sense knowledge right here. Right, So when a politician wants to win over a group of people on a hot-button issue, what do they do? They, I want to win them over to vote or, or be in support of this, even though normally they would not be in support of this because mora- uh, morally this is against what they believe. Well, what do you do? Well, I've got to talk about it different. I've got I to turn things upside down. So they avoid certain words when they talk about it, anything that would trigger uh, an angry thought. They use new words. They'll bring new lingo into the discussion about this hot-button issue. They'll talk about the same thing and be say, they'll be saying the exact same thing. But you're, they're using new words and new, they're taking new routes to make these points. They're updating definitions. or changing those definitions of those words. They're altering the narratives. And so they, when you tweak things like this, when you're able to, to turn things upside down like that, you confuse people. Right? It's confusing to keep up with, and so it makes them a little more malleable. A little easier to convince because they're confused, disoriented. See, the forbidden woman does the same thing, but she does it in a different way. Did you see the description of her words? They were smooth words. The forbidden woman, the adulteress, she uses smooth words to lure you in the wrong direction. So if you look at the root of that Hebrew word, smooth, it's deceiving but it's deceiving in a special way. It's deceiving in a flattering way. Well, if you want to be really deceiving, use flattery. That's the way to do it. Use that charm. Flattering words can trick people. They, they lure us in the same way that peanut butter lures a mouse to the mousetrap, right? It smells good. You know it's going to taste good. It feels good. But you're being lured into a trap, Right? Proverbs chapter 2 is telling us this. Solomon is saying to his boy, hey, listen, man, there are a lot of people in this world that want to take you for a ride. They want to fool you. They want to dupe you. They want you completely bamboozled. They're going to betray you. They're going to use you. And the way they're going to do that is through their words. And if you don't learn to use godly wisdom to discern everything that's coming out of their mouth, men with perverted speech will have their way with you. Women, using smooth words, will have their way with you. People will lure you into going the completely wrong way, and you'll be thinking you're going the right way the entire time. It'll feel right to you because you've been duped. I think it's also worth noting, the forbidden woman who uses smooth words, it says that she forgets the covenant of her God. Now, wait a second. She forgets the covenant of her God. That would imply she knows the covenant of God. That would imply that she l- grew up and lives within the, what is considered the covenant community of God. In other words, Solomon is saying to his son. So Solomon, a Jew, is saying to his son, a Jew, listen, you need to beware even of other Jews and what they say to you. Because they're not all out for your best interest either. You need the wisdom of God even to discern what they say. We often think the threat is always just out there. It's outside of the umbrella of Christianity. It's outside of the umbrella of church. But over and over and over again in the New Testament and here, right here in the Old Testament, is yet another example of God saying the threat isn't just out there. It's also in here. Inside the covenant community, people will toss the promises of God away they will use smooth words to lure you away from God. Don't fall for it. You need the wisdom of God as an individual to understand when this is happening. We as believers need to we need to really hang on to this teaching. Really hang on to this teaching. I mean, false teachers are thriving under the guise of Christianity. Especially in American culture. Especially, right? Where we make entire ministries about personalities. We make entire ministries just all about this one theologian or this one teacher or this clever sermon and the way it's presented, the smooth words. We got so many churches that just are so much about the production and smooth words that people haven't even noticed the Word of God is not being served up there. They haven't even noticed that they can go to church and spend an entire hour there and not even hear the Word of God, not even be pointed to the Word of God. There are multiple teachers under the guise of Christianity that I have listened to entire sermons of personally, and they never even mention the Gospel. They never even mention the Bible. And maybe some of them who do, they'll just sprinkle it in their sermon like, you know, fairy dust. And claim that it's a Christian sermon and the whole time they just talked about themselves we need to to understand that the wisdom of God is only for those who pursue it the fear of the Lord do you fear the Lord in the, in the sense that the Bible teaches right do we do we humble ourselves under his instruction do we come to the Word of God in order to discern ourselves and to discern this world, to surrender to the will of God, this wisdom is for the upright. Only they, it says, will inhabit the land. So when you start looking at phrases like inhabit the land, like this was, this was, this was like the biggest way to express an earthly blessing to a Jew. You want to inhabit the land? That was like the ultimate earthly expression of the blessings of God in this time. And so I I really believe that as we talk about wisdom, we need to understand, do you want to reap the benefits of this earthly wisdom that God generously gives to us when we pursue it, when we seek it out, when we ask for it, when we pray for it? Do you want to benefit from this? You want this tremendous blessing in your life? Prepare your hearts and minds. You know, we, we live in a time in which We are just constantly being hit with a barrage of agendas. Just constant. It's exhausting. How language is always tweaked and the narrative is always altered and everything's always being turned upside down and presented to you to make you feel like you're, you're immoral by pursuing godly morality and those sorts of things. Constantly. It's just constantly. Do you want shielded from that? What What assures you that you will not buy into something that is ungodly, just being portrayed as godly? What assures you that you're gonna be protected from buying into the wrong path, thinking you're doing the right thing? What's, What's protecting you? What's shielding you? God's saying, my wisdom will. You have to receive it, incline your hearts to it. Think of it as this hidden treasure right under your nose and deep dive into it. It's a blessing from God. We need to call out to him that he would give it to us. Let's do that right now as we close. Lord, again, we are so grateful to be in this special book of the Bible. We thank you so much for the ways in which Proverbs, right out of the gates, is, is just in our face. Lord, it, I pray that this would maybe in some cases just jolt us to remember how we are to prepare our hearts and minds for a time of worship. Lord, I pray that you would use this to ignite perhaps a new pursuit of your knowledge and your understanding on a Sunday morning. But Lord, not only on a Sunday morning collectively as the church, but on a daily basis that we would pursue this wisdom. It's so hard to discern what's right and what's wrong in this world. It's so hard to to judge whether one agenda is good or this agenda is bad. It's so confusing, Lord, the ways in which people who are so clever and so just impressive with the rhetoric, Lord, how they can just change the way that we think because we're receiving what they're saying, but we're not receiving what you are saying. Lord, help us to first receive what you say and then use that to discern and judge what they say or that we can be on the right path, that we would not fall into calamity or terror, that we would not cause harm, not only to ourselves, but to those around us. We're so grateful that you freely give us your wisdom. And Lord, we, we just collectively ask you for it today. We ask you for that. Lord, and we know that, that wisdom is a person, as we've talked about the first few weeks. Wisdom is a person. It is your son It is your wisdom manifested in this world. This is Jesus who you sent to provide us our righteousness, that we would be justified before you, and that his death provides our atonement, that pays our debt of sin. Lord, as we close out our service, help us to concentrate on that wisdom, that it would change our lives.